0: had a bunch of notes in my notebooks and it was like little things that weren't going to make a whole episode. Often I'll let them sit there. And then when I get three or four things that sort of match together cohesively, thematically, I will then make an episode out of them. But it just was kind of dry this week. I was working on a ton of other stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw a couple of random things together. I used to call these episodes randomitis in my old podcast and just see uh, maybe it comes together. Maybe it doesn't, but you'll get some nice little stories out of it. First one's about a company called Temu. It is a sales portal on the internet. And I think the thing is like shop like a billionaire. I bought a cute little keyboard from the mechanical keyboard. I was very happy about it. I was very excited because it was 400 yen, which is like $4. And this is a like full on mechanical keyboard. This is not like a, it's plastic, but it's not like garbage plastic. I don't know how you'd explain it. It's high quality plastic. Uh, It's actually got solid keys and it feels really good. And I'm using it instead of my other keyboard that I had before. I was like, wow, this is incredible. How can they do this? Uh, You need to have at least a thousand yen to get free shipping. A thousand yen, that's $10. I bought a crappy little light because some of my uh, podcasting friends were saying I have to be lit up better. And actually see there's a shadow now. I'm actually using it right watching the video if you're on the actual podcast podcast thank you because i never wanted to be on video in the first place so i bought this combo this is like a uh, improving my setup and i thought wow you know this they got to be selling this at a loss like the keyboard is worth ten dollars minimum these mechanical keyboards are like 20 30 dollars for the cheap ones they go up to the hundreds of dollars how is this possible well the week after my keyboard and light arrived. I watched this video on YouTube and this video on YouTube is explaining that the developers of Temu previously had another app. And that other app uh, was also a sort of sales portal app. And that sales portal app was also selling things at incredibly low prices. And how was that possible? What they were doing is in the app was harvesting all your personal information and selling it illegally. So, the app that they used previously, that they made previously, was banned from the Google Store for being malware. And now Temu hasn't been caught yet, but it does seem like the same developers selling things at its, at an average of $30 loss are probably doing the exact same thing. So they're probably harvested all my, all my information from my phone illegally and they are probably going to sell it but we don't know that yet. So the question is, this is one of the problems of trying stuff on the internet. I bought a fake Rolex on the internet, knowing it was fake though. I bought a, a, a watch for Instagram that was free with like, it was only like a 500 yen or something like incredibly cheap shipping, like three, $4 shipping. I bought it just to see what the watch was. Now the risk is you give these people your information, but I'm torn. How much is my information worth? So I'm worried that they've got all my passwords and stuff, maybe my credit card information. I use PayPal to pay them. so that felt at least there was one layer of safety that they weren't going to get my financial information. But if they've installed malware on my phone, they have access to credit card details, login details, and other stuff. So I'm pretty sure I'm about to do a factory reset of my phone and change all my passwords, which isn't fun. I don't know if the question is, was the incredibly high discount on this very good keyboard worth a factory reset and changing all my passwords? I should be changing all my passwords regularly anyways, as should you, but it's not something I do because I have to remember my passwords to log into stuff. So that's problematic. So I've taken the app off my phone. I'm preparing to do a factory reset. Problem is, it was a really good deal. So if I see other stuff on Temu, if I'm willing to download the app, buy the thing I want to buy, do a factory reset and change all my passwords, how much work is that? That's basically the experiment I'm about to run. How much effort is it for me to do? to change all my passwords and then factory reset my phone and like put everything back on it. Is that worth every product I buy being 3,000 yen cheaper or $30 $30 cheaper? Because how much is my time worth? Mr. Warmhands has just put in the chat, how valuable do you think your data is? That is actually my question. I don't know because I am willing to do the change. I'm willing to put the effort in to make the change. If I'm willing to put in the effort to make the change, is that worth 30 bucks off every product I buy from now on? Because it might be because if I do a bulk purchase and get a really good deal on, let's say, in my example, mouse, keyboard, light, camera, other stuff. That would be $30 off each product, factory reset my phone, change all my passwords. Does seem like it's worth it because if I get really good at it, that's not a lot of effort. Or I could get a second phone. I just thought of this. I could buy a phone through Temu. That could be my burner phone that only has essentially information for Temu, which is not all my personal information, like make separate accounts. Oh, could I scam the scammers? I don't know what my data is worth to anyone. I'm not easily swayed by advertising and I'm out of the most desired age brackets. I'm not thinking my data is that valuable, but people taking my passwords and using my accounts Data isn't what I'm worried about so much as, uh, like my credit card because I had my credit card stolen once and I was able to like get fix that pretty quickly, but it's a pain in the ass. So them buying stuff on your credit card, even if you don't end up getting charged for that, you have to change all your information. That's my concern because that's not going to be worth 30 bucks to me. That's going to be someone else's trying to steal all my stuff or use all my stuff to make their purchases, which becomes my new life. Uh, And then the identity theft where they open credit cards and other stuff. That's my concern of them selling my information because that's where it's not worth anything to the individual, but it's worth a lot to the person as they open five credit cards and ruin my credit score or other stuff. That would be my actual concern. I recently tried to make an AI video uh, and so I went online, of course I went online. I said, AI video creator free, free being the optimal word there because this project wasn't enough worth enough to me to pay for it. And so you do get a lot of stuff free on the internet. And of course they are also trying to harvest your information. This might be the theme, the ongoing theme throughout this is harvesting your information for other people's profit. How much do you protect yourself? How much is it worth it? I essentially have not been scammed yet by Temu. But my expectation is that I will be scammed by Temu if I don't take steps to, pr- to protect myself. But I went into this thing that claimed it was free and it was free to make the video because uh, I put a song in with lyrics and then it was going to do like a lyric video for me. Then it was, you had to pay for a subscription to download the video. So this was a, a technically true statement that is, not true in spirit they were saying if you want to make a video making the video is free you can take all your stuff you can log in and you can make all your information and then put all the stuff we'll make the video you can watch it online uh, in your account you won't be able to share it with anybody else but if you want to download it and actually like let's say upload it to your youtube or use it wherever else that's going to be part of the subscription package so I just stopped. I was like, okay, well, I don't care. I'm going to log out. I don't want this video. I'll make my own at home. Good. Take my room, make it at home. Then I started getting the emails because I had to use an email to log in. And the emails were, "You wouldn't leave your video unfinished, would you?" I was like, "Are are you trying to guilt me that I put effort into this project that you said was going to be free and then it wasn't free? And then because I haven't been suckered by you, you're going to try to make me feel guilty that What is this? A baby has been left out in the cold and it's my fault? No, it's your fault for not being honest from the beginning saying that this was a paid subscription that I didn't want to pay and I wouldn't have put the time into the video. There is the sunk cost fallacy and it's famous for car dealerships. That the idea is that the longer you stay at a place or do a thing, you feel like the time you've put in is part of value of your life. So if a dealer, a salesperson, the longer they can keep you there, the more likely you are to buy a product. In this case, even a quite large one like a car. I now knowing of the sunk cost fallacy, being aware of it, it doesn't work on me anymore. So I recently had to buy a new car. We had a car. It was quite old. Uh, Taxes in Japan, the way they work, the older your car, the higher the taxes go. That's why you don't see a lot of old cars on the road in Japan. We were getting to that borderline where our car was old and the taxes were going up. Was it worth keeping? We decided no because uh, the commute my wife was going to have to do was going to get very long, stuff like that. It was worthwhile to get a new car for us. I immediately said when we sat down to do the car dealership to the guy, I have 30 minutes, so I'm going to talk to you for 30 minutes. And you could see he was like, hmm. I said, I have another appointment. You have 30 minutes to talk to us, and then we're going to get up and leave. And he got to the 29-minute mark. See, he got really nervous because I was like, okay, well, your time's up. We're going to go. And then my wife actually got up and left. And I said, he's talking to me. Now, I'm pretending I don't speak any Japanese. This puts a lot of pressure on the salesperson. I just looked at him and said, you can keep trying to sell to me, like, but I technically your sales pitch isn't going to work. Uh, you either just give me all the information now or I'm going to leave. And we didn't end up, he kept like trying to find a way around it by getting us to come back and make an appointment. We said, no, no, thank you. We didn't buy from that dealership. We went to another one, did the exact same thing. We said like, we got 35 minutes, an hour or something like that. We didn't want to be unfair. You know, the, the questions, the conversation about a car, it's a big purchase. It's going to take some time, but I also don't want them wasting my time. I don't want them using the cost time fallacy, uh, sunk cost time. I should actually look that up. It's, it's sunk time, sunk. Did this to myself just now. I'm, oh, it's just called sunk time fallacy comes up pretty quick. So I'm sure that's right. That's probably right. Anyways, if you heard the clicks, that was my sexy new keyboard that might be malware. (laughs) But by setting that time limit, we set a a way we could just excuse ourselves, get up and leave. And then he had to get the deal done or he wasn't going to get the deal. We got a pretty good deal on the car. My wife went back and then screwed tighten the screws a little bit on but that's a talent she has that I don't have. Anyways, why did I start that? Ah, yes. That's what they were trying to pull on me. Like you put all this work into this project. You want to download your video, not realizing that, no, I have no investment. I just wanted to see what it would look like. I'm done. Then I started getting, it was about six months ago, started getting emails from PhotoBucket. Now I don't remember using PhotoBucket. So it must've been like five, 10, 15 years ago. I'm thinking there was a work event and I wanted to share those pictures with people from my workplace, students who participated because I was a teacher at the time. Don't want to use a personal account. So I made a photo bucket account where I could just share the link and everyone could look. Photo bucket has every two or three weeks been sending me emails, threatening to delete my pictures. But they tried to use guilt and they tried to use nostalgia. Like, you wouldn't want to lose these precious memories. I don't even remember what the fucking pictures are. So, as far as I'm concerned, go screw yourself. Photo bucket, pull the fucking trigger. Stop being a pussy. Be the photo bucket you want to be. Pull the trigger, delete those photos. I dare you. And here's the thing the instant they actually delete my photos, they no longer have a link to me that would matter in any way. They can't use nostalgia because those pictures are gone. They can't use guilt because those pictures are gone. They could try to make me feel bad and then recover the images. But we both know that the only thing that they have over me is those photos and those photos I don't care about. Photo bucket, go fuck yourself. I got weirdly aggressive at the end. I think I'm annoyed at how long it's taken photo bucket. They've been threatening me for months now. And I'm just like, do it, do it. It's like when the guy in the movie has the gun to your head, he's goes, I'm going to shoot you. And you just pull the trigger. Do it. Do it. Pull the trigger. I just, I just woke up Dave. Okay. This is completely unrelated. I guess it is the don't fuck with people because photo bucket's been fucking with me, and Temu fucked with me. Maybe there's my theme. Dave had a serious WTF Dave face. Dave had a serious what the fuck face. I don't think he's ever heard that sound from me before, so that's probably a bit disturbing the first time you hear it. Um, he might think I'm talking to him. Like, there's only he and I in this room right now. So when I start saying like, pull the trigger, do it, Dave might be like, I don't have fingers or a thumb can't pull the trigger man chill out okay i got two two more stories i don't know if these are going to link up oh this isn't related to fucking with me this is me fucking with steven seagal a name i said i would never say again but i'm saying it again in this one instance i'm giving myself an excuse because i need to tell this story about how i did not promote steven seagal so there's a young guy you need to have the t-shirt on Oh, okay you're right very hard to tell which is the front of the shirt. So I put it on backwards every time, but it feels, this would be great. If I do the transition right, oh, he's smelling the shirt. It smells weird, right? My fate. Come on, get your butt in the, get your butt in the bed. My, uh, my lap isn't comfortable enough for him to sit on. So I have to put the dog bed on my lap or he's not happy and he just stands. So this is an improvement. Good. You good? All right. He's he's settled. Okay. So we're going to start this story again. Uh, there's a, a young guy who started going to judo with me. He's in his early 20s, I think 24, maybe. I was making so in the judo club, there's this massive mat area. So there's maybe 50% of it is the judo guys. It's the biggest club. You got some MMA guys who practice in the side, some karate guys practice in one corner. Uh, sometimes a break dancer will come in and do a little breakdancing, which I actually think is really cool. Far corner lately, there's been some Aikido people. Now, I personally have respect for all the martial arts, as long as you admit what they really are. Now, judo used to be self defense, but now is a sport. It's a, an effective sport. It could still be used in some elements in self defense, but I wouldn't call it a self defense thing. Uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu have a lot of respect for what they do, but it is roly poly on the ground. Uh, that's not something you would actually want to do on concrete. So again, it's more of a sport. It's a great sport. You should probably try it. Karate, punchy kicky, cool stuff. Uh, I'm not actually flexible enough to do taekwondo and stuff like that, but a lot of respect for that. Aikido is pretend So you're doing wrist locks and the person jumps over. It is one step away from make-believe. I don't want to shit on Aikido, but I do shit on Aikido a lot. So sometimes this young guy and I will stand and I will look over at the Aikido guys at what they're doing. And I will make, I would say fairly disparaging comments on the effectiveness of the techniques they're doing. Because I watched some Aikido guys doing a full contact competition and it looked like judo real quick, which I found quite funny. But I, he said, why do you hate Aikido so much? I don't really hate Aikido. I just like to make fun of it because of the man himself, Steven Seagal. My depth of hatred towards Steven Seagal, everything he is and everything he represents, is why I now have a negative impression of Aikido. I think there probably was a time in history when I would have said Aikido great. I mean, again, I wouldn't say it's the most effective martial art, but it's a good thing to practice. It has, everything has, all these things have benefits. If you're doing nothing and you start doing Aikido, there will be a benefit for you physically, mentally, whatever. So Aikido has its place in the world, but Steven Seagal does not. And My hate for Steven Seagal is so passionate and so thick and so deep that it has colored my feelings of Aikido. So it's almost like Aikido didn't produce Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal produced my hate for Aikido. If I actually met a person who does Aikido, I don't think I'd make fun of them. I don't think I would say anything. I would ask them questions, stuff like that. Um, But I would be judging them and that's important. So I said, I hate Aikido so much because of Steven Seagal. And then I stopped for a second and said, do you know who that is? And he said, no, my questions... As to someone, if I, so if I met someone who did Aikido, what questions would I ask them? My first question would not be, why do you love Steven Seagal? It would be, what do you think of Steven Seagal? Because that would be the point I would judge them all. If they then turned around and said, Steven Seagal is a great practitioner of the sport. He's grown it, whatever. I'd be like, you suck. I hate you so much. I hope you get hit by a truck. If they said Steven Seagal is an embarrassment. everything aikido represents i would be like i think you and i might be on the same page that is that is a sincere answer to that question i would ask about techniques and stuff but i probably would ask what do you think about steven seagal my friend who comes with me to judo i mentioned the name steven seagal and then i said it looked on his face like oh i don't really know and i said do you know who that is and he said no i don't what was the name again and i refused to tell him. Just like when I ended Velosa podcast, I said I would never mention Steven Seagal again. But this is context of the story. And he doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, I, I refuse to say the name twice. So in a way, this guy can't even go learn about Steven Seagal to hate watch him. I hate watch Steven Seagal. I get every movie that ever has come out. And I watch it. And I hate every second of it. So I can just marinate in the juices of my anger of how much I hate Steven Seagal. I did do an episode and the question was, should I expose young people to Steven Seagal so they can hate him as much as I do? Or should I try to improve the world by removing Steven Seagal from them? I have taken that second step. I have said, no, I will not teach you his name. I will not share him with you. You will never see one of his films. He is now dead to the world. He is now less famous and he could have been because I could have introduced you to him. You could have pirated his movies. No one's ever going to pay for a Steven Seagal movie. But end of the day, now Steven Seagal is less famous than he could have been. Yes, only I shall hate him. My hate is unique. My, my, my hate is, it's not a burden. It's, it's a fire that burns within me that drives me to be better than Steven Seagal, which is about as hard as standing up in your film. He's made films. And in those films, he no longer stands up. That's actually like a a noticeable fact that he doesn't stand up anymore in his movies and he'll do action scenes and he'll stand up for the action scene. And then you can see another much thinner actor takes over for the actual action scene. I assume it's like a stuntman. I had one more story to kind of round out my stories. And it's, I guess this is just people fucking with people in different ways. Temu fucking with me, me fucking with photo bucket, uh, a young guy, me fucking with Aikido and not letting him fuck with Steven Seagal. Last one is just don't fuck with people in general because they might fuck with you back. So, uh, a long time ago, before switchboards, there were ladies, operators, who would connect the calls. You'd say, you'd pick up your phone and you'd call and you'd say, I want to speak to. This office downtown. I want to speak to this store. I want to talk to the grocery store and have some groceries delivered. These kind of things. You would say to the person who you want to speak to, they would pull out, you've probably seen it in old movies, they pull out this big wire and connect you to another place, and then you could speak directly. That was a job, thousands and thousands of women across the world. There was a small town, and there was an undertaker. There were actually two undertakers in the town. Thing is, The woman who was working the switchboard for that small town was married to one of the undertaker. Let's call him Undertaker B. So I have a relative who has just died. Very sad. And I call up the operator and said, I would like to speak to Undertaker A. And then the woman married to Undertaker B, she would connect me to Undertaker B, not the person I asked to speak to. But again, I'm in my moment of grief. I'm not really going to argue. There's a service I want. I want to get that service. So this switchboard operator was abusing her power to push customers to her husband's business. The undertaker A kind of figured out what was going on. Probably had someone call and then actually ask specifically for him and then had the call rerouted to someone who wasn't him. And then they'd like talk to him later and be like, I tried to call you. But when I called you, the operator routed me to a different phone number. That's kind of bullshit. He knows that the woman is rerouting the calls for him to another business. So what does he do? He invents the automatic switchboard and puts millions of women out of business because this lady fucked with him. And that's don't fuck with smart people, I guess. There's no way you would have known that this guy has the ability to figure out how to automatically switch stuff and put thousands and thousands of people out of work by automating a process that was done by hand before. And I don't know why, but I love that story and I love that level of revenge because he didn't just burn her. He burned an entire industry because this lady fucked with his business. And I don't have a conclusion. I'm just, that level is a level maybe I aspire towards in the hopes that I can burn down what's left of Steven Seagal. And he is so fat, he would burn so well. I can't end with that statement. That's so horrible, but I think it might. Don't be petty. Is it petty to hate Steven Seagal? Yeah, don't be petty, be next level. There you go. Mr. Warm Hands hits the final phrase. Don't be petty, be the next level.